Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Now on SportsCenter at 6, live reaction and analysis. Hear from Tiger Woods about the West and worst from his opening round. And live from the Senior Bowl, what did we learn about Baker Mayfield this week? Plus, no practice for Rod Runkowski today. Live reaction from Foxborough. When will the Patriots worry about their all-pro tight end? Here's Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. And here is Tiger Woods' current scorecard. Even through 16 at Torrey Pines, bogeyed 1-5 and 13, birdied 6-10 and 16. He entered with the seventh best odds, according to Westgate Superbook. Uh, he's won eight times at Torrey Pines, one of three courses where he has eight wins. Keep in mind, no other player has won at a single course more than six times in PGA Tour history. All right, let's go out to Torrey Pines. Check in with Michael Eves and Andy North. Guys, how did, how did Tiger look to your eyes? You know what, Mike? I would describe it like this. Let's say your mom has a favorite dessert of yours that she makes. I'm in on this. This time she made it. It was tasty, but it wasn't the best <laughs> that you've ever had from her, but it was still pretty good from what we've seen from him yeah. today in terms of what we were expecting. Well, I, didn't, you know, I didn't expect we were going to see perfect golf right. out of him. He, he wasn't going to hit every fairway. He wasn't going to hit every green. He's hit... A lot of quality shots. He's hit three or four loose tee shots. But overall, I think the big thing is he just hasn't made a whole lot of putts. Yeah. Uh, he's hit two beautiful irons for tapping birdies. His other birdie is a two-putt on a par five. So he hasn't done anything. Basically, the longest putt he's made through 16 holes is about a three-footer. Yeah, and Mike mentioned the bogeys and the birdies, including his last one there on 16. That was almost a hole-in-one. He almost nailed that six iron there on the par three, the last par three on the south course. From a ball-striking standpoint, though, Andy, give us a little deeper into in terms of of how impressed you've been with what we've seen based on the layoff. Well, he, he missed a couple of fairways early on, and then he went through a stretch where he hit a lot of good drives, uh, quality drives, uh, some with three woods, some with drivers. But I think all in all, it's, it's you know it's all going to be about consistency. He's mm-hmm. going to hit every player who ever plays this game hits some bad shots yeah. every single round. It's how you recover from those bad shots, and we haven't seen the Tiger Woods being able to make her- heroic pars out of bad positions as we used to. How do you think he's managed his patience and the grind of playing tournament golf, which is much different than playing golf at home with his yeah, friends? I think he's I think he's handled it quite well. We've talked earlier, we went out watching him play a few holes mm-hmm. about the standing around is so different than what you do at home. I mean, all of a sudden you hit a drive, you stand there, you hit a and you stand. At home you jump in the cart, you go play and, yeah. and it's you know, you're playing at your own speed, your own rhythm. That's the hardest thing to get used to here when you haven't played for a while is you know to get into that rhythm of playing tournament golf again. Yeah, he just wanted to post a good score today, Mike. Right now, the leading score is six under par, but he's got two holes to play, including a par five at the final hole at 18. If he gets the under par for his round, I think he'll be very pleased. And we will hear from him as soon as he's done right here behind us here yep. at Torrey Pines. We'll bring that to you coming up within the hour here on the six. And we'll hear more from you as well. Real quick before I let y'all go, y'all got my mouth all water for some yep. Lisa's sweet potato pie. What's your mama's favorite dessert? Hurry up. I'm curious now. <laughs> uh, my mom makes uh, chocolate cake. My wife ah. makes sweet potato pie and peach cobbler. I love that's what sweet you potato pie. Get, go. Good there stuff. You Thank go. you, guys. We'll talk more you guys later on. All right. All right Again, here's the leaderboard. And as Eve mentioned, we will take you.
Tiger's post-round presser when he finishes and get more analysis from those guys. And maybe we'll talk about their favorite breakfast. All right, Rob Gronkowski, who the Patriots listed on the official injury report with a concussion yesterday, did not practice today. According uh, to Patriots insider Mike Reese, Gronk has been at the facility each day since Monday as he works his way through the concussion protocol. Just a suspicion, but the will he or won't he play storyline with Gronk is about to become a thing. All right, Diana Rossini is at the Patriots facility. Uh, what's the level of concern with Gronk now that he's missed the Patriots' first Super Bowl practice? Yeah, Jamel, I got to tell you, inside the Patriots locker room today, it was really upbeat. Unlike the normal Patriots, guys were talking today, telling us all about their week, and talking to a lot of Gronk's teammates. It seems to be a very high, confident group that Gronk is going to play in Super Bowl 52. Today was the first time the Patriots were actually out on the field since they won the AFC Championship on Sunday, and Gronk is currently going through that five-step concussion protocol. So, so while he's actually not out on the field and he's still recovering from the concussion, his teammates really believe that he's going to be out on the field. There doesn't seem to be any concern. We know how productive Gronk is, especially on third downs for this Patriots offense, but this team does not believe they're going to be without him, although it probably doesn't hurt to know that they can win a Super Bowl without him because remember last year, they won the Super Bowl without Gronk. A lot of people forget that. Uh, but um, it's also important to probably note, Jamel, Brady limited at practice today. And believe it or not, those red gloves, they're back. I'm not sure if he's actually wearing them right now because he sells those stitches in his right throwing hand or because it was 12 degrees or at least that's the way it felt here in Foxborough <laughs> today. So it's either weather related or he's still dealing with those stitches. But those red gloves are back. And knowing the Patriots, I'm sure they'll be very forthcoming about the reason that he's wearing them. Uh, thanks for the report, Diana. I'm sure we'll figure out ten more times to ask you about Gronk. All right, uh, speaking of the Super Bowl, who better to tell you how to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl than someone who actually did it? Victor Cruz, who danced all over the Patriots in Super Bowl 46, joins us next to give us, or to give the Eagles, rather, some pointers. This is a difficult year for our team. Seems like I say that every year, but this one is even more challenging. I mean, we just need to have effort throughout 48 minutes. But it's never a good sign when that many guys talk about effort. It was a fiery scene in that Cleveland locker room. The thing I've always done is, you know, kept my mouth shut. Adding to the misery of the Cavaliers right now. He is vaporizing that Cleveland defense. Is he tempted to pull him, put him on the bench, give him some more time to rehab? You don't have a definitive closer to play alongside LeBron James, and that's definitely problematic. It's tough to see the light in the tunnel, but it is there. My first option would be, if I'm Dan Gilbert, to go to LeBron James and ask him to waive his no-trade clause so I can move him. LeBron James needs to sign with the Spurs. You know, we're just in a rough patch, and you know, hopefully we can you know, get up out of it soon. Tristan Thompson and Jay Crowder out of Cleveland's starting lineup. The team has lost 11 of its last 15, and the defense is the NBA's worst during that stretch, giving up 114 points per 100 possessions. Crowder averaging five fewer points, two and a half fewer rebounds, and shooting five percentage points worse than last season with 112.5 defensive rating. Meanwhile, LeBron, Love, ITJR, and Tristan Thompson have played a grand total of eight minutes together this season, all coming in Cleveland's 34-point loss to the Raptors on January 11th. Here's LeBron. Tristan back to five. Okay. Kevin to four. Uh, it is what it is. We're in a guy who started for our team in numerous games. Uh, that's, that's a big deal. Ron, after that Oklahoma City game, 
Isaiah Thomas said that um, you guys don't trust each other defensively. Do you agree with that? I do. I do. And uh, that's the thing. Topic of conversation for us in the last few days of us getting back to that. You know, if a guy drives, someone being there to protect him, communication, all those things. Boach, Cavs probably need more than just a lineup tweak to mm-hmm. get themselves right. So, what's the latest on their talks with the Kings when it comes to George Hill? Well, they need more than George Hill, too. But yeah. Those conversations have been ongoing here for about a week. They continue to talk. Sacramento doesn't have a roster spot right now available to take the two players from Cleveland. They would need to. Uh, in a trade, and Sacramento has been looking around the league to get a spot off, to get a player off that they could do the Cleveland deal with. Uh, but right now, uh, there's no deal imminent. It, it continues to be one of several conversations on multiple fronts that the Cavs have going. Yeah, it seems like they need more than just maybe a player or some lineup tweaks. It sounds like they need a relationship therapist because the Cavs, I mean, they've had some issues on and off the car, on and off the court rather all year round. Uh, take a uh, look at what Tristan Thompson had to say today. I don't care if X don't like X off the court. I really don't give a, you can fill in the blank there, as long as you're on the court playing hard and playing for each other. That's all that matters to me. We don't got to talk to each other off the court as long as we talk on the court. Yeah, it's like that. Word? Word. Uh, Where's so, Richard Jefferson? <laughs> That's who they need. That is. Uh, so, Woj, what else is this team trying to sort out as they try to kind of get back to some semblance looking like the finals team that they were? This is a fractured franchise. It's not just a fractured locker room. And it's not just player pitted against player. It's not just the issues that some guys have with Kevin Love. It is uh, player against front office, player against coach, player against owner. And right now, there is not... Um, there's a lack of leadership around here. The one person who has been fearless in the last several days, I'm told, in going at guys, including LeBron James, is Ty Lue. Uh, I am told he is coaching like someone who is not afraid to get fired. He is challenging guys. He is getting after them. We'll see how that impacts this group as they try to certainly get better defensively. Mm. Wow. Jeez. I know. Right? You said a mouthful there, Doug. <laughs> if we have more time, yeah, we might bring you back in some more. <laughs> Thanks, folks. Appreciate it. Third-ranked Purdue plays host to number 25, Michigan. Let's go, Boilers. Purdue has won 15 straight games, the longest active win streak in Division One. Let's go, Boilers. Boilermakers are doing it with a combination of three-point shooting and defense. Purdue ranks second in the country in three-point percentage, third defensive efficiency. Let's go, Boilers. But Michigan might give them some trouble, as they did on January 9th when the Wolverines lost 70-69. to Let's go, Boilers. And remember, Michigan won both meetings last season. For some objectivity, <laughs> I'll take this conversation with Reese Davis, okay? Shall we? All right. Lay out for now. If okay? you must. All right. Uh, Reese Davis, about how many ways, by your count, can Purdue beat you? There are three ways for sure, I think, Michael. Uh, much, uh, much to Jamel's delight, if they're able to execute in all three phases, this is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country, the best among major conference teams, second best overall, and they have four different guys in the starting lineup who can hurt you from the outside. Carson Edwards is having a phenomenal season. His stat line compares pretty favorably to Villanova's Jalen Brunson, who's being mentioned as a player of the year candidate. Edwards uh, playing terrific basketball for Purdue. As you mentioned, they can beat you defensively. They're so sound. They're not the greatest rebounding team in the world, but they're typically in position. They play the passing lanes well, and they have shot blockers in the back. And Matt Harms coming off the bench, who's well over seven feet tall. And Isaac Haas, the other seven-footer who starts, can beat you on the inside. He had a season-high 14 shots against Michigan the last time they played. So that's three different ways. They can beat you inside, they can beat you outside, and they can beat you with their defense as well. Best team in the country? 
You know, it's funny, Michael. I thought about that. People have asked me that. And you look at these two, this team, they're in the top five in offensive and defensive efficiency. Over the last 10 years, the only other teams to have done that, there have been three of them, all won the national championship. And despite that, and despite all the bragging that I just did on them and the various ways that they can beat you, I'm not quite ready to go there yet. I, I think that to be defined as the best team in the country, you have to be a team that only loses when you don't play your best. And I'm not sure that I put Purdue in that category. Now, would I put them in the top four? You know, final four contender for sure. Final four favorite, absolutely. But I'm not willing to define them as the best team in the country right now. I would give that edge to Villanova by a hair at the moment with Duke having the highest potential. All right, we are ready, willing, and able to hear you on the call coming up at the top of the hour for Purdue versus Michigan. Let's go, Boilers. Had to get that one more in. <laughs> uh, Baker Mayfield did not arrive for the Senior Bowl in Alabama until Tuesday, reportedly because his mother has been ill. Now, while Mayfield, who practiced today, said he's ready to show NFL scouts, quote, what he's all about, he also spoke about where he's made his biggest strides in adjusting to the NFL game. You know, taking control of a huddle, being able to verbalize, uh, you know, let the guys know that I know what I'm doing back there. And then uh, I think I made progress in my footwork under center, which has been, you know, the biggest challenge for me is getting used to that, getting back under center, taking drops and uh, just getting the play fix and whatnot. All right. We welcome in Todd McShay joining us from the Senior Bowl in Mobile. Todd, you've been there all week with Baker Mayfield. What have you learned about him this week that other people may not have known from his days at Oklahoma? You know, it's tough, Jamel, because when you have 46 career starts, I feel like we've really gotten to know him. But I think that, first of all, the football instincts, just natural football instincts. He wasn't the greatest passer in the regular drills. He and Josh Allen were going head-to-head, and I think he was trying to overthrow a little bit. But once we got into seven-on-sevens and into team drills where it was football game action, his instincts just kicked in, and whether it be – reading the coverage quickly or getting the ball out on time or feeling pressure and and being able to climb the ladder or get outside the pocket and and extend plays and and make it you know make something out of nothing or a broken play he just consistently shows really good football instincts and that kind of stood out to me this week yeah it might be where those russell wilson comparisons come from a lot of eyes obviously also on top quarterback prospect uh, josh allen of wyoming uh what has stood out about him I think the biggest thing is he got better, and he got better each and every day. Kind of started off slow, and, and there's everyone talks about the 56% completion percentage and you know the inaccuracy, and it's there on tape. And we saw it early in the week, and I think as he got more comfortable with the play calls and the verbiage and his receivers and the timing of everything, then he started to really work on his footwork and also work on his touch. It's something I notice on, on tape a lot, that he's trying to throw his fastball all the time. And he's got a great fastball, but he relies on it too much. He's got to learn when to take some heat off of throws, when to drop the ball in between coverage and defenders. And we saw, especially today, they must be coaching him specifically on it because it's almost like the light bulb went off in his head and said, wow, you know, if I just take a little bit off, this makes it a lot easier for my receivers to catch and I can make them go run under the ball. So I, I thought he showed a lot of improvement as the week went on. And both Baker and Josh Allen, I thought, played today and probably second half of yesterday like the first rounders we expected him to, to play like this entire week. All right. So in other words, Josh Allen needs an off-speed pitch so to speak. All right, Todd, thanks a lot for joining us. <laughs> we appreciate go. it. You think Vince McMahon going to let Johnny Manziel in the XFL? 
Nah, man. Despite the, despite his criminal history. <laughs> Aren't they not even having the nicknames on the back of the jerseys? Well, anymore? what's the point? Right. 2020-18's 10-week schedule. Breaking news in the Sports Center. Marlins continue to break it on down, not in a good way. They've continued their cost-cutting today, agreeing to send outfielder Christian Yelich to the Brewers, Miami, getting outfielder Lewis Brenson, outfielder Monty Harrison, infielder Isan Diaz, and right-handed pitcher Jordan Yamamoto in return. He got his wish. Yelich, moving on. All right, the Eagles have begun their preparation for the Patriots in Super Bowl 52. Eagles are trying to avoid joining the Bills and Vikings as the only two teams with at least three Super Bowl losses. Big reason the Eagles are here is because of capable feeling Nick Foles, who will be just the third quarterback to start the Super Bowl in a season in which he made three or fewer starts in the regular season. Name the Jordan, other two. See, why you put me on the spot like that? <laughs> this is a bad co-host. <laughs> Anyway, let, let me turn to a good employee, a model employee here, Sal Palantonio, joining us live from the Eagles facility in South Philadelphia. Sal, what did Peterson tell you about the state of the Eagles game plan? Well, there's two boxes that they're trying to fill at the same time, right? Get ready for the Patriots from a tactical standpoint and get ready for the Patriots from a psychological standpoint. And good luck when you try to do those things on parallel tracks. You know, because the bottom line is this. The Patriots have been there and done this very, very successfully. So let's talk about how Doug Peterson has tried to simplify things from a tactical standpoint. He told me today in a sidebar interview after the presser, he's focused on three specific things in this game for the team. Turnover battle. Under Bill Belichick, the Patriots are 16-0 and in the postseason, winning the turnover battle. Field position. In nine playoff losses under Bill Belichick, the Patriots' opponents won field position seven out of nine times. Peterson knows all this stuff. We looked it up. ESPN stats and information verified all of it. And then sound special teams. All you got to do is go back through the history of the Patriots and see Adam Vinatieri kick, kicking those field goals to win the football game. So those are the three things. And the bottom line is they know they've got to make it about themselves. One thing he said to me, if I make this about them, the Patriots, we are in trouble. All right, Sal, thanks for breaking it down. We appreciate it. Got it. All right, believe it or not, the Patriots actually have been beaten in the Super Bowl. One guy who did it, Victor Cruz, who helped the Giants take home the Lombardi Trophy in Super Bowl 46. Four catches and a touchdown, some hip movement. <laughs> and for that, Victor probably never has to buy drinks in New York City ever again. You know what, speaking of the Giants, because we got a hardcore Giants fan on our staff. He said we got this a couple. Super, a couple. Not just one. Yeah, okay. not just one. But Sam said that. This Super Bowl is a Giants fan's worst nightmare. It really is. <laughs> it really is. Just stick to your stuff. People are asking me, like, what's your prediction? I was like, can neither of them win? Like, how would you do that? Because I despise the Patriots because we beat them in the Super Bowl. And then the Eagles, I mean, if you're a Giants anything, you hate everything Philly-inspired. So you just want to get over it as soon as possible. I just want to get it over. I just want to watch it like this, and then, uh, and then it's over. Yeah, it's funny to me how Giants fans hate the Patriots so much. I'm like, why do you hate them? You beat them in the Super Bowl. Like, there's <laughs> nothing to hate. The they should yeah. hate you. Um, and I, I think it was a, a big a big reason why you guys did beat them is that you were never 
bothered by the Patriots aura. Mm-hmm. And Doug Peterson, uh, he addressed the media about focusing, you know, focusing more on what they needed to do well as opposed to worrying about this Patriots mystique. So let's take a listen to what he said. Okay. That's a real question. That's a real issue that you have. I mean, these guys have, you know, they've been there. They've done it. They've they've proven it time and time again. And my biggest, you know, focus with the team is let's just let's just focus on today. Let's just win today. Let's get better today. And and we'll worry about that when we get to the game. But obviously, it's a, it's a credit to what they what the Patriots have done in, in, in their careers and their history. And you know, everybody's trying to to, to, to win championships like that. But we just got to focus on today. We've seen time and again, Bill Belichick. He's like the boogeyman. He gets in people's heads mm-hmm. a lot of times. You guys never seem to have that same you know, aura problem with Mm -hmm. the Patriots. So what was it about your mentality when you guys played them that allowed you to get past the mystique and everything they'd accomplished and and all that? I think it's because we had our own boogeyman. We had TC on our side. That was (laughs) like, man, you know, it was all business. It was all um, it was all about the game and it was all about putting our best foot forward. I think, um, you know, anybody that played on that team will tell you that week of practice was probably the most perfect week of practice that we've ever had. Mm. Not a single drop, not a single missed assignment. Everything just flowed, and you kind of felt that as the week went on. Like, wow, we're in a real good groove right now. And, you know, you just, like, hope this turns over into the game. And it did, and we came out victorious, man. All right, well, speaking of drops, your receiver group, uh, both times against the Patriots or the Giants, had some historic, miraculous, amazing catches. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the receivers uh, in this game for both teams. If I had to give you a pick, let's take Gronk out. That's too easy. Okay. Let's not talk about pass catches, Mm -hmm. but wide receivers. If I had to give you a pick of one guy – who you thought could have a really impactful game, maybe even contend for MVP mm-hmm. on the low, who would that be? Um, I, I think it's Torrey Smith. I think he's a guy that's been kind of unheralded throughout the year, kind of had his ups and downs, had that drop last week, but made up for it with a touchdown yeah. grab with a beautiful throw from Nick Foles. Um, I think he's a guy that can come out, you know, not a guy that they're probably talking about much. He can come out and have a, a tremendous game and be the game, the X factor for Philly to win. All right, so who you got? Painful oh, as it is to pick, who you got? Uh, I have to pick one. Is you got one, to. one yes. Yes. There can't be a tie in this game, no, right? No, can't end zero zero. I gotta, I gotta go Patriots. I think, man, I gotta go Patriots. I think, uh, I, I think Brady and the bunch and Bill Belichick. I think, I think this is their last year all together, in my mm. opinion. Yeah. And they're gonna ride off into the sunset with a Super Bowl victory, and then that whole regime kind of breaks up, and we'll see what. You happens. know, some insight. You got some, some no, intel, got no or just, why do you, why just do you think? my ticker, just my okay. heart telling me what you know what, what what's gonna happen, but. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a better game than people may think. Um, but I think New England pulls it off. All right, well, hopefully somebody breaks out a dope end zone celebration. The Eagles have been good <laughs> for excited. that this year. I'm excited. So we'll see what they got, Mr. Salsa. Thank you very much. No man. problem. We appreciate appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, getting you set for Michigan-Purdue. Carson Edwards, sophomore guard, averaging 17 a game. Let's go, Boilers. I'm here for you. Uh, that's following us right here on ESPN. Should be a good one. Purdue wins by 50. Anyway, speaking of college basketball, uh, Joe Lenardi had a bracketology update today. He has Villanova, Virginia, Purdue, and Duke as one seeds for the NCAA tournament. Uh, he's had these four teams as his one seeds for the last two weeks. Take it for what it's worth. Now we turn to a man who's an expert in this field, Tom Crean. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate, appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right. Um, not an expert in predicting. I, no, I've never had to do that. I know that's not that. necessarily. It's a whole different role now. I know that's not necessarily <laughs> a good thing. As I mentioned, we have Purdue and Michigan right here on our air following this fine program. Uh, Boilermakers now ranked third in the country. Some think they might be the best team in the country, are they? 
Oh, I think they're right there. I think if the season ended today, I, I like what Joe's got. And if you had Purdue bracketed against Villanova on the other side, could easily see that being the national championship. Mm-hmm. Villanova's been outstanding, but now with, with the loss of Phil Booth Jr., that, that could become an issue. He is a 30-minute-a-game guy. He scores, but Purdue is high level. They're moving the ball. Carson Edwards, he played last year like he was trying to prove he was a good player. Now he knows he's a good player. Yeah. It, it, he really does. But Dakota Mathias, Vince Edwards, P.J. Thompson, Isaac Haas, those guys are four seniors, been through a ton together, and they have tremendous synergy and togetherness when they play. Oh, okay. Trey Young's an okay player. He's fair. Put he up, uh, Put up a 26 on nine shots, and that went over Kansas on Tuesday. You were on that call, and you more or less 35 seconds left, Sooners up two, inbounding. You told Tony Romo to hold your beer. <laughs> Well, right now, I would think that he's going to get in some, some roll and replace action. All right, bring up into the ball screen. Team. Two corners lifted. Watch Manic on the slip screen because they're going to want to switch this if it's a screen. Great slip. Manic. Brady Manic. Good call. I'd have run it. That's what I'd have run. All right. So now, he made a, uh, some tweaks to his game. He talked about that heading into this game. What impressed you the most about that performance? Maturity. I mean, he's got incredible speed. The vision is like second to none. He's got the shooting range, all those types of things. Change of speed, change of direction, you name it. The maturity to have the week that he had last week, especially coming off the Oklahoma State game, and then come out and play that way and control the game without a three or without a free throw in the first half, and to get 26 on nine shots, deliver the ball the way he did. He controlled the game as a young 19-year-old against an outstanding Kansas team. I mean, Joe Lenardi could easily be bracketing them that high right now, too. And they had a great game plan, but Trey Young just, he just managed and operated exactly the way he wanted. Whatever the defense gave him, he took it. And it it was some great passing, great ball movement, the whole gamut. Yeah, it's interesting that his 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 way of sort of responding to having a poor game was to be more efficient. Whereas a lot of players and I'm certainly I'm sure some coaches would have worried that maybe he would have tried to do the opposite and try a little bit too hard the next well, time. Well, the maturity, I mean, it's all it's not about what you coach or what you preach and what you teach, it's about what the player absorbs. And whatever was happening inside those film sessions and practices with him and his teammates, it came to life in that game because that was a dire- directly different than the way he played last week against Kansas State and Oklahoma State. All right. Thanks, Tom. We You're appreciate welcome. you joining us. Thanks. Tigers updated scorecard. His round is complete. Because I can't see. Oh, there it is. Yeah, he's even. <laughs> even 72. Three bogeys. Three birdies. Remember, I was he's won myself. At you know, yeah. I got glasses, but I don't see so far. Um, He's won there eight times. So here's Tiger moments ago assessing his round. I'm fine with that. Um, I just didn't hit my irons very well today. I uh, didn't hit anything close. I didn't give myself a lot of looks out there. And, you know, consequently, I didn't make a lot of birdies. You know, I didn't play the par fives as well either. Uh, I believe I played them only even par. So uh, tomorrow, hopefully, I can drive it a little bit better. Uh, hit my irons obviously a lot closer. And. You know, we're going to the, the better side for greens, and hopefully I can make a few. You made a good iron shot at 16. That was almost a hole-in-one. Yeah, that was – well, I just saw the monitor here. Um, but it, it, it was just a full six iron, throw it up in the air. The greens are really springy. Uh, try and land it soft, and we can't see anything land from back there. So uh, we're just listening for some noise, and um, <laughs> people start cheering. Okay, you know, a few questions. Are you, are you nervous starting out a day like today? Of course, yeah. I'm always, I'm always nervous. I mean, I, I care about what I do, 
and uh, it was fun to feel that uh, competitive rush again and try and, you know, I had a scorecard in my hand and uh, try and post some numbers. I wouldn't say less nervous. Uh, I'm. I still feel the same excitement, the f- same nerves, and um, hopefully one day I'll be able to play that first hole well. You know, <laughs> it's been uh, not very good since they redesigned it. Um, you know, before it was just a n- no problem. I blow it down there, hit a wedge on the green, make my birdies, and go on. But uh, uh, now with that the redo, I just don't quite carry it. You know, three thirty in the air. So uh, that's unfortunately. Uh, Either go left of the bunker or right of the bunker. Say again? What? Today? I was just hopefully. I, I didn't think that there were going to be that many good scores out there. Um, I'm in over 80th spot and shot even par. Uh, there was no wind out there to, be, to actually going to give us any trouble. Uh, the greens are springy. Uh, they were bouncing a little bit. It was tough to judge a little bit, but... Uh, I, obviously, they're, they gave us some some room on some of the pins because they don't want to. Uh, you know, obviously, you're gonna have to make some adjustments, moving you know a foot or two for tomorrow. Uh, so they always usually give us a little bit of room. Come the weekend, they'll they'll tuck them a little bit more. Since it counted this time, what part of your game were you happiest with under with, under the gun? Uh, I would say the happiest was was feeling comfortable with my putter. Um, the greens are bumpy and. Uh, I hit a lot of good putts. I missed one at 13, but I hit a lot of good ones, which is good. Uh, it's a good sign going into tomorrow. All right, Michael Lees, Andy North at Torrey Pines. What's your takeaways from what you saw Tiger do today and what you just heard him say? Well, you know, Michael, I think the sentiments that we just heard from Tiger were some of the same thoughts that Andy and I had watching him as we walked a few holes with him earlier and then watching him on television with the rest of the media here. He didn't hit his irons close enough to give him good quality looks at birdies and because of that he ended up shooting 72. Well anytime you have a day where you're not great with your irons you're going to have a lot of 25 and 30 foot putts particularly on greens as firm as these. You're not going to make a lot of those here. Uh, We saw Patrick Reed playing with him make some but I think the real key driving accuracy it's always important, but it's even more important on certain holes. Mm-hmm. A great example, the two par fives in the back nine. He missed one in the rough, one in the fairway bunker, and ended up playing those two holes one over par. He has two good drives in those holes, maybe he plays them two under par. So right. that's a huge swing in a round of golf. So as he was saying, he wants to drive the ball a little bit better tomorrow, hit your iron shots a little bit better. But I think all in all, if you give him a grade for the day, it's probably a C plus. For, you know, not bad. If this yeah. is the worst he hits the ball the rest of the year, he'll be pleased. I mean, coming out this morning, he probably would have been somewhat satisfied if you told him he's going to shoot 72 because he didn't think the scores would be that high. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, that low today. He was a little surprised by that. One other thing that he mentioned, the fact that he was nervous today. Now, granted, he hadn't played a lot of golf lately, but he's played a lot of golf in his career. As a pro- former professional golfer yourself, when you hear a golfer say, yeah, I was nervous today, what does that say to you? That's good. I mean, like he says, he really cares about trying to do this well, and the fact that you're, if you're not nervous, that's when you start worrying. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that excitement and that nervousness, and the key is that everybody wants to have that. You just need to control it. Right. He hasn't had that feeling for a while. Yeah. So we'll see what happens tomorrow for round two. He'll tee off at 940 local time here. And as he said, the good side of the golf course where he can try to make some more putts tomorrow in terms of the greens. We'll see what happens there. But to, again today, even par 72 for Tiger Woods. All right, guys. We appreciate your contributions. There's your leaderboard. Again, Tiger Woods, even par 72. Three birdies, three bogeys. 
<laughs> Let's talk about this draft. NBA All-Star teams are drafted today and will be revealed tonight with the new format LeBron James and Steph Curry. Captains for the East and the West will draft teams from a pool of starters and reserves. There will be two rounds. First round will draft from the pool of remaining starters. LeBron will pick first since he had more fan votes. And the second round will draft from the pool of reserves that will reveal Tuesday. Curry will pick in that round. We'll pick first, rather. Um, now, LeBron and Steph are tweeting about the draft this afternoon, building some suspense, I suppose. That was fun, said LeBron. Uh, definitely should have been televised. See? Yeah, we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steph replied, yeah, I would have to say that was legit. Hashtag next year. All right, well, that settles it. Next year is televised. <laughs> no more uh, about it. Coach, thanks for joining us. Byron Scott with us. Now, uh, let's put you in the position of LeBron, okay. all right, and give you the first pick in the draft. Now, there's no conference restriction, so mm-hmm. you can pick who you want, whoever it is, Kyrie, Greek Freak, whoever. So who are you taking first? Kevin Durant. <laughs> you you ain't even blink. No, <laughs> like, I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. Mm. So if you're LeBron, you're taking If I'm KD. LeBron, I remember what this man did to us in the finals. You know, MVP, Kevin Durant came and he brought it every single night. So, yeah, if I'm LeBron and I'm picking and I want to win this All-Star game, the first player I'm picking is Kevin Durant. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So Ty Lue is picking Tristan Thompson to go back into the starting lineup. So let's talk about LeBron's real team. Uh, how much of an impact do you think taking Jay Crowder out, Tristan Thompson in, moving Kevin Love to power forward is going to have, have on this team? Enough to kind of stem this, stop this bleeding, if you will? Michael, I don't know if it's enough, but it, it is a start. Yeah. You know, uh, getting Tristan Thompson back in the starting lineup and bringing, you know, putting Kevin Love back at that power forward, it eliminates one of those positions that we know has not been doing very well in the defensive end. And anytime you got, you know, three out of your five starters in the defensive end or the three of the worst defenders at their position in the league, you have to make some changes. Yeah. And if you expect to win a championship in this league, you got to play on that end of the floor every single night. And that's what the Cavs have not been doing. So this change, I think, is a good change for them. Right. Uh, there might be more changes coming later. Yeah. But definitely, definitely this is a start. we got about 20 seconds. It's just a start. Is there enough time left for them to round in the form? Maybe they're not the top seed or top two seed or whatever. Round in the form in time to actually continue to get back to the finals. Well, is there enough time left? Well, as long as you got 23, there's enough time left. Yeah. You know, and, and, and this is all before All-Star break anyway, and this team has done this a few times over the past four or five seasons where they haven't played great in the regular season. I don't think it really matters to them where they are seated. Right. Because once they get to the playoffs and they're healthy and they're playing well, they know they can beat anybody. All, all right. right. Thanks, Coach. We appreciate, appreciate it. you guys. All right, that's wow. right. It's a good day for college basketball fans. Today is the 30th anniversary of Jerome Lane's backboard-shattering dunk, which went down as one of the most famous plays in pit history. Bill Rafferty on the call. I have a T-shirt from Omaz. But you know what happened on that day that's more important? Mm. Sam Sanucci. Yeah! Happy birthday, Sam. <laughs> Look at that guy. Our segment producer, we call him the Sam Missile. That's if right. you love this show, thank Sam. If you love if you all- hate, Wait, if you hate this show, thank Sam. All the corny <laughs> He's the curator of doing too much. The pride of Farmington, Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Sanucci. Yeah! <laughs> Happy birthday. It's 30th birthday. So Jerome Lane happened. Wait, is Jasmine really counting us off while she's putting confetti she on his head? Yeah, that's, that's the show producer for you. <laughs> All right, that's it for us. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Stay tuned for Michigan Purdue one more time. Let's go, boys. We'll see y'all later.